turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 8. We return to our seats here. Second Kings chapter eight. And we'll also read out of John chapter fourteen. But in Second Kings chapter eight, it says, Then Elisha, then spake Elisha unto the woman whose son he had restored to life saying, Arise, and go thou and thine household, and sojourn whithersoever thou canst sojourn. For the Lord hath called for a famine, and it shall come upon the land seven years. And the woman arose and did after the saying of the man of God, and went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. And it came to pass at the To pass at the seven years' end, the woman returned out of the land of the Philistines and went forth to cry unto the king for her house and for her land. And then in uh, the book of John, chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Lord Jesus, speak to us today. This is your word. This is your people. And, oh, God, we are your vessels. Lord, change our hearts and our lives. And, God, may we draw closer to you and become more what you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In Second Kings chapter 8 here, you could actually pick up the stories in chapter 4 and then in chapter 8. But this is a lady who was a lady of stature and, and, and had some means. And she noticed that there was this man of God that would pass by her house, Elisha. And he would, he would pass by. And, and so she said to her husband, you know, I, I believe this is a man of God. And I think we should make a place for him. We're going to make some place for him to dwell. And, and, and some of you may have heard this story recently. Bishop, you just spoke on it just, a, I think, a few weeks ago. But uh, um, she said, we want to make a place for him to be. Not because she thought, at least it doesn't say in the Scripture, that she would get anything out of the deal. But she, you know what? She knew that the man of God would be in her house. And that was enough. And back in those days, you didn't have the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We didn't invite you to come to church to be baptized in Jesus' name. And we didn't say, Jesus will live inside of you. That wasn't preached. That wasn't, that wasn't the time yet. So this would have been the closest thing any other time she would have gone to the temple. She could have offered up prayers. But to have the man of God, the prophet of God in her home was an extraordinary privilege. And out of this event, 
man of God came and, and talked to her, and, and, and God gave her a child. And then the child died, and the child was brought back. And, and, and so we have this story unfold. But now we pick it up in chapter 8, and what we see here is that there was a famine in the land, and she had to leave the place where God had placed her. She had to leave there. She went ahead, she went and she obeyed the Lord Bishop. She obeyed. And yet, when the famine ended, she came back to discover she didn't have a place to live. There was no room. I have no place here. I, I can't find... I, I, where am I at anymore? I'm a, a person, I was supposed to be a person of means and, and I have a family and, and, and it's now all gone. I don't have anything here. I, uh, uh, as I was thinking on this message, I, I thought about, have you ever been in that spot where there suddenly was no room for you? You went out to eat? Somebody didn't say, like, we need eight people. They only said seven, so there was only seven chairs. And you're like, where do I sit? Thanksgiving's coming up. And if you show up at your family's house and they don't have a spot for you, well, somebody might hear something, I suppose. You're going to be like, wait, am I part of the family? <laughs> if I invite you over and then I say, I'm sorry, we only made food just for our family. There's no place for you. You're like, what? Um, you know, uh... uh I had a, have you ever had the situation where you went to get on the plane and you go to your seat and you're like double checking your ticket and you're like, I think I'm in 14A or 22B. Why does it appear like somebody's there? And then they get out their ticket and you're, and then you're like, oh wait, I'm in the wrong spot. Or they're like, I'm in the wrong spot. And, and, and you get into your right seat and you're like, wait, I have a seat. I get to go home. I knew a guy. The plane he was supposed to be on broke down. They gave him a new ticket for another plane. And then they all went home, the airline. It only flew a flight in a day and out. And he was in Dubai. So he goes to the new airline. He's like, oh, I got to go home. I get to see my family. I get to be home for two weeks. And so he goes to get on the plane. And he has a seat. And somebody's in his seat. And they said, well, we issued two tickets for the same seat. You have to go. He showed up to the plane and he said, but I have a seat. I'm not on standby. And they sent him back. And he was in the airport for 24 hours trying to call places. See, can I get a seat to get back home? I uh, uh, seen an article that said in Texas, a homeowner says she was locked out of her house by a squatter who claimed to have a lease after moving to the state with her family. In Maryland, the woman returned from vacation to find two squatters in her bed. They were not only living in her house, but had sold about $50,000 of her furniture. It's a pattern being played out, placed out, or played out in many cities in the United States. It's also common in Europe where squatting has become a political movement. Some squatters enter legally and then just stay. In Long Island, New York, a fellow there, 52, has not paid his mortgage for 25 years. The mortgage was foreclosed, but the company that now owns the house has struggled for decades to evict him. It's when you discover that I should have a place, but I don't. 
In 2022, there was 11,727 real estate rental fraud victims. I mean, not rental, real estate fraud victims. That's where somebody comes along and takes the deed to your property. They change it over. Somehow they do it. And you discover, wait a second, they show up to your house and they say, you got to leave. This is our house. See, we have the paperwork. Well, this lady in this book of 2 Kings, she comes back to the land and she discovers that her property has been given away. But I want somebody to know today that when God is in your life, always make room for Him. Because He will always make room for you. Somebody needs to get an understanding that you're trudging through your daily life and Jesus has been passing you by and you need to just stop for a moment and say, honey or husband, we need to make room for the Lord here. I don't care if it feels like everything's come against you and it's knocked you out and you think, where did the blessings of God go? God did not leave you high and dry. You say, but where's it at right now? I don't see it in the moment. Go ahead and close your eyes and reach your hand towards heaven and just begin to touch the one who is in the moment and that's Jesus Christ. It wouldn't be suffering and it wouldn't be struggle and we wouldn't have victory reports and we wouldn't have blessings to tell of and we wouldn't have a God to exalt if we first didn't go through some things. You wouldn't be able to show somebody the forgiveness of God if they didn't do something to you that required forgiveness. You... You wouldn't be able to tell somebody, hey, this is what God did for me if there wasn't something that He had to do. And you wouldn't have been shaped and molded into the better, greater person you are if you hadn't walked through the situations with Him. And this woman who said, hey, I made room for God and, he get, and, and, and look how He blessed me and, and He took care of me during the famine. But hold on a second here. Now I don't have a place. I, I know we look back and sometimes we forget the victories and blessings of God in our life because all we can see is the challenge of the moment. I'm with you on that. I get it. It's what have you done for me lately. And you see it on jobs, right? Hey, we know that you were really great at the company 20 year, for the last 20 years, but this is the 21st year. We just don't think you quite fit anymore. You don't do the job anymore. You see it on football teams, right? Hey, you know what? We're cutting you, but I helped you win the Super Bowl. Doesn't matter. It's about today. And we get in that mindset. And we step towards God. And sometimes we're like, what about now? But the God who was with you yesterday has never left you nor forsaken you. Jesus said, behold, I am with you always. Even unto the end. And so she began to take her journey. And you know what she could have done? She could have given up. 
But she did in the earthly what some of you need to do in the spiritual. She went and she approached an earthly king. And she said, hold on. There's some property that's mine. Oh, there's, there's some things that were mine. They were in my family. And I left under the provision of Almighty God. I was in His will. And I've come to get back what's mine. I come to take what was stolen from me. Oh, and you wonder, is there any hope for me? You just need to go ahead and face your sickness. Go ahead and face your problem. Go ahead and face your depression. And go ahead and face the liars in your life. You need to face your situation and just see what God does. Because everybody would around would have said, Brother Jeremy, come here. They would have said, you need to just shut up a little bit. Just be quiet. You know what the law says. And you know what? I'm sorry, Courtney. I should have picked you. He's not a lady. Come on over here, Courtney. But I won't hit you the way I hit him. We had a lady in this story. So, so come on over. And, 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 and she could have said, the law's the law. Just suck it up, right? And she went over and she was like, this is, this is mine. Now, Brother Jeremy, you can come up here. Because position beside here was not Courtney's husband, but Gehazi. Yeah, yeah. Ah, and you know what Gehazi had been there for? All the miracles. Yeah. And you know what he had been telling him about? Elisha. And the king was like, tell me more about tell this man. More. And then he said, this is the woman. This is the one that God blessed. This is the one that made room for the prophet. She made room for God in her life. And the king said, you know what he got to do? He said, give her back everything that's hers. You may be seated. Give it back. Give it back. Oh, because somebody could have cast in the towel and said, I'm through and I'm done and walked out. But she didn't take no for an answer. Oh, will somebody go ahead? Hey, and you go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap and make up in your mind. I am going to make a place for God. Oh, I'm going to make a place for you, Jesus. I just want to tell him that right now. Jesus, I'm making room for you in my life, in my family, in my home, on my job, in my situations. Oh, God, I want to experience you. Oh, God, I just want to be with you. Oh, Lord, you may be reaching out and touching others, but I want to be with you. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, one thing had David desired, and that is he could dwell in the house of the Lord just to be Joshua, he was not the leader of the people, but you found him. And nobody else was on the mountain except Moses. And he's face down before God. And, and part way up the mountain is Joshua. As close as I can get, that's where I'm going to be. He would hang outside the tent after Moses went about to do, do the job and had to head back in. You know, Joshua would be hanging out. Oh, can I just be by God? Somebody needs to make room for the master. But we opened up our story and our scriptures and we read a couple of passages. And the other was in John chapter 14. Because Jesus is here and he is getting ready to go to the cross. He is about to suffer. They have been in the upper room. He has done the foot washing. He's there with them. 
And Jesus, everything He says in this moment, really for all His ministry, but now He is keenly aware of these are His last words before He goes to the cross. And it had to be the weirdest thing for these disciples. Because Jesus starts to use the language that a groom might would use to a bride. And as he's sitting there with them, because here's what would happen. A groom would go away after he got betrothed. And he would make place for his bride at his father's house. It could take up to a year. But he would go and he would make place. And, and then he would come back and get his bride. And that would be the marriage. He promised and commitment. Now a lot of times we read this passage and, and people will want to read it maybe at a funeral or something. And it's encouraging not to let your heart be troubled. But Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. And the situation's just a little bit different here than just that, that second time that Jesus comes back. Because they're getting ready to see him gone and he stops and he lets them know, hey, don't be afraid. Don't let your heart be troubled. Oh, Jesus is the greatest theology teacher that you'll ever find. Why? Because so many people had just seen a man show up. Colin, they just saw the man show up and they said, wow, great teacher. And they begin to talk to him. And then those that got closer with him and made room for him begin to discover there's something extraordinary about you. And then they would realize that he wasn't just a man, but that he was the son of God. But Jesus shows them that it is not the same as somebody who has an offspring. That he says, well, here's my, my heir. No, what Jesus begins to unfold for them is he says, first off, Bishop, he says, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, or it could be translated, many rooms. Or there's a place for a whole lot of people. If it were not so, I would have told you. And then he makes a commitment. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Oh, hallelujah. Give him a hand clap. Oh, but the greatest theology teacher then unfolds a little more. And he said, tells them that they know the way. And they're like, and whether I go, you know, and the way, you know. And Thomas is like, well, what, what, what's this way? And Jesus says, I'm the way. You can't get to the Father except through me. Wait a second, what's going on here? We just, yeah, hold on here. Why? Because it hadn't gotten in their brain that in the flesh, he was the son of God because he was born. But the spirit that dwelt in him was almighty God that said, let there be light. And there was light. Oh, that's why in 1 Timothy 3.16 it says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest or revealed in the flesh. 
Oh, what is he telling us there? he's, He's telling us what Jesus was saying. Oh, I am the way. You can't get to the Father except through me. And Philip goes, <laughs> all right, we've been here three and a half years. You're getting ready to go to the cross, but we haven't recognized that yet. And, uh, and he says, Lord, Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father and it suffices us. And Jesus said unto him, have I been so long with you and you and thou hast not known me, Philip? This isn't an ordinary situation. This isn't like your terms that you use any other place. This isn't the way the Romans or the Greeks would use it. He that has seen me hath seen the Father. He that has seen me hath seen the Father. Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? But then he goes on and he says another thing. And he begins to get back to I'm coming again. And that coming again. See in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, Brother Trevor, when... uh, Somebody was talking and they said God in action. They were talking about God moving in action. They would speak of the word of God. Now that didn't mean like there was something else over here called the word of God running around. No, it just meant God had spoken. And the word of God came. God came. When they would talk about the spirit of God, it was was meaning that nobody was confused. The spirit of God moved. God moved. The spirit of God. He moved on the face of the waters. It's God in action. And Jesus says, hey, I'm with you right now, but I'm going to go and I'm going to send a comforter. Speaking of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God. And we're getting very close to coming to an end here. And that's why in verse 16 he says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. Why? Greatest theology teacher says, for he dwelleth with you. Oh, let me, you need to understand. You just saw a man for a while. Then you understood he was a great teacher. And then you said you must have come from God. Oh, you're the son of God. But now I want you to know that in this tent, in this flesh, is almighty God. And God had somehow figured out to put on humanity. Oh, to, hallelujah. You know what that meant? That God partook in understanding what it was like to be hungry. And he understood that he was there to know what it was like to need to sleep. And he understood what it was like to be spit on and rejected and to feel pain and struggle and hurt. He understood all those things. And then he says, the comforter's gonna come. Ah, but he says... I'm in the, or he goes, whom the world cannot receive, and seeth him not, neither know him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Oh, hallelujah. Give the Lord another hand clap. Oh, this is the understanding. Remember Thomas that said, show us the way? Thomas then says to him, when Jesus comes back, he says, my Lord and my God. Yeah. Musicians could come to the piano. I've gone a little long today and I apologize. But what was this speech about? You want to know what this was about? It was about and when the day of Pentecost 
was fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Oh, what moved on the waters at the very beginning? God, the Spirit of God, God in action. Oh, the Comforter, oh, that Spirit. Oh, what happened on the day of Pentecost? There was a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as a fire. Could we go ahead and stand to our feet? And it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What was that? That was the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Oh, I've asked you today to make room for Jesus. But Jesus has said, I made room for you. In my Father's house are many mansions or many rooms. There's more than enough room for you, Bishop. Jeremy, there's more than enough room for you. Courtney, there's more than enough for you. Caitlin, there's more than enough for you. There's more than enough. Sister Giara, what's your problem today? And I don't mean that in a rude way. There's more than enough room for your problem and your struggle and your circumstance. And nobody else out there even knows it. But you know it. And he knows it. And his doors are wide open. And the one that filled you is the one to walk with you through the struggle. Does anybody want to come? There's room for you. He made room for you. Come tell Jesus, I'm making room for you. Go ahead, this altar's open. Take some steps in the physical that you want to take in the spiritual. There's room for you. If you've never been filled with His Spirit, there's room for you. Oh, if you're going through a struggle, He's made room for you. Jesus, you see every person in this place. You see every struggle. Go ahead, begin to talk to Him. You see every heartache. You see everyone that feels like that they messed up one too many times. You see those God who who just can't seem to see their way through it. They're coming to you, Jesus. You're the way. You're the truth. You're the life.